big news, because we had so much fun at our last live show, we're doing it again. That's right. We're going live again, but this time we're going to the Ripped Bodice in Brooklyn, which is an absolute dream come true of a location. This show is going to be part of a larger romance festival being put on by Fish Market Theater Company. And I'll give you details about all of the awesome events that they'll have going on that weekend soon. But for now, head on over to the ticket link in the show notes and get your tickets for our performance, which will be on March 9th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We don't have streaming set up quite yet, but we're working on it because we know a lot of you aren't in New York. But if you are or if you can get here, we hope that you'll get your tickets and come join us because it's going to be a blast. Graham, you look so handsome. Thank with your you. Shave and haircut. My mom My said goodness. the same thing. Shave and a haircut. Shampoo. You look great. I just was going to, I was like, going to say you look nice, but then I was like, mm, I'll wait to record this. Oh, we have Graham evidence nice. now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's on the record. <laughs> yeah. Bring that to a court of law. <laughs> uh, Your Honor, I would like to uh, state for the record that Graham looks nice. The record clearly says that my mom thinks I look handsome, Your Honor. <laughs> and uh, we have some corroborating evidence uh, from uh, my mom friend, who's the the quintessential mom friend of all wine mom friends out there. That's true. <laughs> That's really like, Graham, you don't understand when I was in no, college. No, I saw the like... Target glasses. <laughs> <laughs> wow, clocked. Those are all gifts. I will say this. I have a friend's mom. Who got me a wine glass that says "Good day" and then "Bad day" and "Don't and ask." Don't ask. <laughs> With different gradations. Yeah, exactly. Like more wine as it goes. Um, and both Molly and Mike became like totally obsessed with this wine glass. And whenever one of us would get it, we just go, "Don't ask." <laughs> <laughs> but my dishwasher washed away the gradations so now it's just a regular wine glass oh i thought it was gonna be just a wine glass that only said just don't ask on it <laughs> i i'm not usually a fan of those things but there is one coffee mug that cerebelle owns my my friend cerebelle that has um coffee levels on it and it's like don't talk to me getting closer and the third one is just i will poop <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I really like that. I just I just like that it's predetermined. <laughs> I will poop. I will poop. It almost sounds like a threat. This is Becca. This is Molly. We're here to talk about Jane Austen. We are here specifically to answer your questions that we posted onto the world on the internet. World slash- Wide Web. The World Wide Web, and we are here specifically to talk with Graham. Did I ruin my intro? Did I come no, in too no, early? No, <laughs> no, it was a nice teaser. <laughs> for those of you who've been listening to us for a while, you might remember Graham, our audio engineer. Graham, say a good old big hi to the people. Hello, people. So we put out a call for questions to all of you, and we got so many, but we don't have enough time to answer all of them, so we've selected approximately 30 maybe 29 I don't remember how many um and we're gonna we're gonna talk about them Graham is gonna ask them to us propose the questions be our host if you will and I think we should just dive in what do you all think I think so I just wanted to say a big thank you to all of our listeners and our followers on Instagram who sent us um questions we loved all of your questions we have only time for a few but 
I just wanted to say thank you anyway. And you guys are great. (laughs) Yeah, it did make us very, very happy to see how many questions we got because I feel like there's always a like a oh, I don't know, like, well, people ask us questions and then they're just like spilling in and it's so exciting to see that you are listening and, and want to know things. So thanks for thanks for participating. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. So the first question I have is a fun one. It is try ranking all of the Austin men from Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility in one list. So I feel like Wickham goes to the bottom. I guess I agree. Wickham and then above Wickham is probably Willoughby. Yes. And then above that, I'd put Mr. Collins. Sure. Actually, can I can can we put Mr. Collins below Willoughby? That's unfair. I was going to suggest that, actually. That's unfair to my boy. I think that's unfair to movie Collins, but I think that book Collins is a big asshole. That's fair. Yep. Okay. The other thing is that, yes, Willoughby is a villain and Collins is not, but Willoughby has a lot of intrigue and Mm -hmm. he's hot and he's one of Jane Austen's best fleshed out villains. So yes, I think he gets a little edge over Collins because you just look at Collins and you're like, oh, it's just no. some guy. Yeah. yeah, I also I want to make a case for not that I like Willoughby. I don't. But imagine being in Willoughby's position for a minute. Um, and, you know, when you are in a situation and it gets out of your control and you're like, I wish I could reel this back in, but it's too late. Like, I kind of feel like, and this is not, I'm not, this is devil's advocate. Because <laughs> I was going to say, he, the thing he did that got things out of control was seducing and impregnating a, like, 15-year-old girl. <laughs> yes, yes. I think he's not a good guy. Um, Fellas, is... don't you hate it when? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying that, like, I think that he is just aware enough of how shitty he is that he has remorse and that puts him above Collins who I don't think has remorse yeah or any awareness at all or awareness in general yeah so okay so we've got Wickham and then Collins and then Willoughby here's a question are we ranking um how far out are we ranking are we ranking just like potential love interests or are we ranking guys like Daddy Bennett and Mr. Palmer I'm including Daddy Bennett and I'm I I would like to include Mr. Palmer, but I think that if we include Mr. Palmer, we have to include Mr. Jennings, and then we have to include like all of the Mr. Foresters, Mr. Jennings, Mr. <laughs> Sir John Middleton. There you go. Um, <laughs> so I think that let's keep it to love interests and Daddy Bennett. Okay, okay. Love interest in Daddy Bennett makes things simple because I was going to be like, because if we're doing more, we'll have to add John Dashwood and he's at the very bottom. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so uh, right now we have uh, Wickham, Collins, Willoughby. That leaves, obviously, our four boys, Bingley, Darcy, then Ed, Eddie and Brandon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Daddy Bennett. And Daddy Bennett. So I think that... Uh, I'm going to put Eddie at the bottom. See, I'm going to put Daddy Bennett at the bottom of the five. Yeah. That's the correct Fine. answer. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Grant's going to back me up here. Yep. Sad that we don't get the love for Colonel Fitzwilliam that he deserves. Oh, shoot. Can no, I'm we kidding. We don't, we don't need Colonel Fitzwilliam. He's just in my heart. Fine. Um, okay. Yes. Fine, Daddy Bennett. I understand logically why that needs to happen where it's going to happen. 
So Daddy Bennett and then Eddie. I think that's fair. Yeah. And then Bingley. Yeah. And then this gets gets hard because you have Brandon and Darcy at the top. And to be clear, we love all of our four boys. Um, mm-hmm. In my list, Bingley would probably go closer to the higher up top. Yep. You know, Same. just love yep. love that little nugget. Well, do you want to make a case for him? Um, I I agree that Bingley's number three on this list because in my brain we're also including sort of whether or not they're kind of iconic, um, whether or not they're emblematic or um, crucial to the story. And Bingley's fantastic, but he's of the four love interests we're discussing, the least in the book. Yeah. So I think that he is rightfully below Brandon and Darcy. That being said, I think every woman should want a man who just earnestly loves and respects them as much as Bingley loves and respects Jane Bennett. Absolutely. Yep. absolutely. And it's like always immediate and he's automatically nice to everyone in her life. It's wonderful. In terms of who gets the top billing, Darcy or Brandon, if we're ranking as love interests, it's going to have to go Brandon and then Darcy at the top. Yep. I agree. I agree. With the caveat that Alan Rickman's Colonel Brandon is. Chef's kiss. I'm excited to watch it. Also with the caveat that as a person, Brandon is a better person. Mm. But as a love interest, Darcy's a more intriguing love interest. I would agree with that. Okay. That's our first question. Okay. Uh, second question, kind of tying a little bit with what we talked about with Willoughby. Uh, how does Austin write female villains compared to male villains, in your opinion? I think that's something that we talk about a lot on the show is this concept of girl mean. And I feel like she makes her female villains much more savvy and kind of petty. And her male villains are just like bad people. I think that's right. I mean, I'm going to add a caveat here that Molly's only read two books and I am only going to answer for those two books Mm -hmm. because there are later books with later villains that we have not gotten to that add a little bit more color. But if we're just talking about Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice, I think there's a couple trending things. One being that Jane Austen writes a lot more um, female villains who are of higher class. The men of high class are all gentlemen in these books. Yes, yes. But it's interesting if we include class in the classification. A lot of her female villains that are high class are just mean, whereas the female villains of lower class are conniving Lucy Steele. Yes, yep. The male villains are all actually, aside from like John Dashwood, who I wouldn't really classify as a villain so much as just an idiot, but like a weenie, a weenie. (laughs) Um, The male villains, Wickham and Willoughby, have both fallen from high class and are struggling financially. And that's something to take into account as well is that like her class commentary, um, I think, is more of a thing than her gender commentary in this case. I agree. I do think there's something to how what's threatening about both Wickham and Willoughby are their pedophilia. Yes, but I was going to say deceptive seduction. They're both um, taking advantage of young, impressionable women. Um, But Lucy Steele's also doing that with young, impressionable men. So I think it's interesting that Lucy in this world acts 
more like the male villains than the female villains like Catherine DeBerg or Penny Dashwood or Caroline Bingley. But it's also interesting because I think we can all agree Lucy Steele is the smartest and coolest of the villains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I I think that um, for the most part in Jane Austen, the women tend to be slightly more fleshed out. I think Willoughby is actually a pretty good example of how the male villains can also be fleshed out. But I think she gave her top villain spot to a lady, and I, I am on board with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, great. What are some unexpected things that came out of starting Pod and Prejudice? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I, I'm thrilled and floored by how many people love our podcast. It's really nice. Yeah, I think I, I for me, that's it's a similar answer in that I definitely wanted people to love our podcast. But when we started it, we were like, it's okay if, if nobody listens. Like, we want to make good content, but it's definitely going to be a small niche because it's Austin and blah, 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 blah. But at that time, I didn't really understand how large the Austin fandom was and how they are interested in a lot of the same things that we're interested in. Like, um, there's a huge fantasy crossover and, and all of this stuff. So the number of people listening to the podcast has been an, a lovely surprise. And during the pandemic, there was a time when a lot of people were crafting and sending us stuff. And that was really sweet. Really fun fact, guys. Um, during that time, someone sent us some lovely painted prints of two love oh, interests. Yeah. And at the time, one of them was Darcy and one of them was Alan Rickman's Colonel Brandon. And Molly was like, I don't know who this other guy is, so I'll take the Darcy one. And I was like, ha. And I was like, I'll take the Colonel <laughs> Brandon one. But I was like, I'll take the other guy. And now Molly's furious that I got Colonel Brandon. <laughs> Do you think love and dating is easier or harder after reading Austen? So I have never dated before reading Jane Austen. So I'm the wrong person to ask about this. So we'll defer to Molly on this one. I think because I'm not primarily dating men, my perception of love and dating is not super duper affected because I'm not comparing the people that I'm dating to Mr. Darcy or Colonel Brandon, for example. Um, but I don't know. I'll, I'll circle back to this question once I've gone on a few post pandemic dates in the far future, because we are living in a cyclic health cycle. All right. Well, on that lovely note, <laughs> which Austin lady do you think that you're the most like? Oh, ho, ho, ho. can we expand this question to include all of the characters? Yeah, for sure. Cool. Because I think that I am unfortunately a Mr. Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, you're the most loved, best romantic interest in the entire Austin canon. The most <laughs> ubiquitous a, love interest. He's a beloved romantic interest. However, he is a disaster when it comes to expressing himself. That's fair. <laughs> That's true. If there's one thing that Pride and Prejudice teaches us, it's that women actually want just a rich human disaster. <laughs> yeah, so I would like a lot of money and I would like to be very hot. Um, I have one of those things. It's not money. <laughs> you are very hot. <laughs> Thank you. I fished for that one. I also, I, I would say I'm half Darcy and half Marianne because when I'm talking to people that I like, I'm a disaster in expressing myself. But when I am feeling my feelings, I am completely Marianne, like wailing at the top of my lungs, misting out over the 
the landscapes, looking at the houses and yeah. A Darcy Sun, Marianne Moon. Yes, yes, Darcy Sun, yeah. Marianne Moon with like a with like a Lizzie Rising or something. <laughs> I love that. That's nice. Um, I'm really just like a pure Eleanor Dashwood in most ways. Um, which most people think means I'm like complimenting myself as quote perfect. No, I'm saying that I'm hyper practical on a lot of things and uh, repress my emotions deeply within myself and tell myself, nope, you're going to tough it out and move forward, um, which is an unhealthy trait of mine. That being said, I'm getting better in my older age. I hope Eleanor does as well. Um, yeah, I'm just very much an Eleanor. I am the sense I love that. To a lot of people's uh, sensibility. The sense to Molly's sensibility. It's why the show yeah, works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, Molly. Yes. What do you think the plot of Emma is going to be? <laughs> I'm so excited for this one. <laughs> so I want to just also draw attention to the fact that this person said because it has the vaguest title, but they're, all the titles are pretty vague. Um, I mean, I know Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility, I guess. Okay. And Northanger Abbey is about an abbey and um, Mansfield Park is about a park. but uh emma is gonna be about a girl named emma good start and i with the caveat that i know someone who was named after this book and loves it and said that it's because she loves to set people up i think it's gonna be about someone who's trying to set people up she's like trying to play matchmaker that much i think i know but in terms of the plot um let's see she's an only child and she's um rich probably and she's got a lot of friends she's like a popular lady and she goes to a lot of parties this is so far pretty standard and um but her friends are all um single and so she's trying to set them up with people but guess but guess what she falls in love with one of the boys that she's trying to set up her best friend with and but her best friend has a crush on him and so she's like you know doing the whole setting them up thing and like she meets with him to be like date my friend but then he's like oh I like but I like you and she's like fuck I like you too and then her friendship gets ruined momentarily and um they have to uh talk about their feelings together eventually and in the end female friendship is the star of the show and they forgive each other but also she probably uh gets the guy um that's my guess i like that it's kind of a regency era hello dolly i've actually never seen hello dolly you've never it's seen oh, it's fine hey graham you're one of the first people to witness my spoiler face oh it's good the thing is i didn't even realize you were doing spoiler face because it's just good that's just your face becca resting spoiler face i don't want to brag but i do have a bs in theater <laughs> yeah we all do yeah we do listeners we all have bachelors of science in theater that's yeah, a real bs degree so we literally have each a bs degree in theater it's funny because that stands for bullshit <laughs> molly we can't swear my mom listens <laughs> we're gonna get another one star review about our cussing <laughs> Okay, okay, Graham, I think we're ready for the next one. All right, next one. Uh, what would you most like to see happen in the next Austin book we read? I think we kind of got that. Molly just gave us the play-by-play -play well, of what she wants. This is what she thought would happen. What do you want to happen, oh. Molly? Oh. I would really love to see characters who are not of a high class 
as the star of the show. Not in the the end game has to be that they marry into a high class and not in a villainy way. I understand that like we got Eleanor and Edward ending up not in a higher class and that was like great for them. Um, they ended up kind of middle class and happy. Oh, but they were both they both started high class and kind of fell. So I would like to see characters who for whom marrying up is not the goal and for whom that's not even like part of the plot like for Ed, Edward and Eleanor it was kind of like scandalous that they weren't gonna marry up well I don't know maybe I got that with Eleanor but I think that it would just be cool to not like as much as I love saying the economics of dating in Jane Austen I think it the would sound be- effect oh man <laughs> um I would love to see uh something where that's not the entire plot line all right i will neither confirm nor deny any of that i i'd like to see another like a new inciting incident that isn't oh no our money yes yes you're right that too seems like it's it's everyone so far yeah who do you think would make the best fem slash pairing you two (laughs) um i'm still i'm still a diehard for marion and berg oh yeah that is nice. <gasps> Ooh. What? Hear me out. Hate sex between Eleanor and Lucy Steele. Hear me out. Because it kills two birds. With, it saves two birds with one stone. Charlotte and Anne de Because I feel like Charlotte deserves better. And she'd be richer. <gasps> okay. Okay. Yeah. Fanfic. Fanfic. Okay. Where Charlotte marries Mr. Collins. And then there's intrigue because he always takes her over to the de Berg's. At Rosings Park. And she and Anne start an illicit affair on the side that Mr. Collins doesn't notice because he's too busy gardening. Oh, I love that. Oh, man. The two of them are just like reading books a little bit disheveled. And he comes in and is like, I've made boiled potatoes. Excellent boiled <laughs> potatoes. Oh, that's so that's so good, Becca. <laughs> I'm I'm losing my mind. I would I would read that book. Yes. Right? Yes, 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 yes. 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 That's really that good. is the answer. That is the only answer. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'm very pleased with that. <laughs> okay, next one. Did the Emma Thompson film make you ship Mr. Palmer and Eleanor too, or is it just me? It's not just you. When I read this question, listener, I lost my mind. I was like, oh my God, that's why I couldn't stop watching his scenes over and over again. It's because the way that Hugh Laurie looks at Emma Thompson in that movie is like, oh my God they're in love and like oh my god and he's so hot yeah no it's not just you I don't have anything else to say on it except for that (laughs) yes I ship it you know um it's it's a hot take but I will say when I was younger I did have that thought once or twice when I was watching the film like does he like Eleanor too because Hugh Laurie definitely seems to be playing like a little bit of a crush on Eleanor Dashwood it's a very very weird acting choice but I'm into it yeah I think it kind of makes sense because in the book it's like Mr. Palmer's an asshole, Mr. Palmer's an asshole. And then all of a sudden he's like a nice guy. And you're you're like, oh, like he's he's being nice to Eleanor. And we kind of, you know, talked about it as him being a good guy who's kind of annoyed by his wife, like Mr. Bennett or whatever. Um, but Hugh Laurie plays the utmost disdain for his wife and then softens every time he sees Eleanor. So it's kind of beautiful. Fellas. <laughs> uh, getting into... Just some some fun Becca Molly questions. Uh, how did you two first meet? We know we all know it was in college. We all know that you went to college together. That we all went to the same college. But what was the context? 
What's the story? So first of all, we we did tell the story once before on uh, the Bright Young Things podcast. So you should go check out our episode um, with them because they do a little interview and we do answer this question there. But the long and the short of it is that we were at a party um, my junior year and Molly's freshman year. And Molly had heard about me while I was abroad. And I came back and she was like, oh, my God, you're Becca. I heard we're going to be friends. And I was like, who is this? Am I famous? <laughs> <laughs> and we be, we did become friends there. I think we um, initially we weren't like super close, but we were always super friendly. Then Molly and I were in a bunch of plays together. And then we got super, super close. And uh, then Molly moved to New York and we continued to hang out. And this podcast has sustained that friendship. Yeah, that's basically the whole answer. <laughs> it leads right into the next question. Were you friends at first sight? Because it kind of sounds like it. I think that we were friends before Becca knew that I existed because <laughs> I heard that we were going to be friends. And I <laughs> ran up to her and was like, we're friends now. This is happening, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so what was the original pitch to Molly for the podcast, Breed Austin? My memory of how this podcast came to be is initially we wanted to do a Harry Potter podcast. Um, We we're talking about making a podcast together because we were talking about movies and books and we were like, oh, we should we should make a podcast. Like, we like the same podcast and style of podcast. And we were talking about making a drunk Harry Potter podcast and it was kind of chaotic and all over the place and we didn't really know what it was going to be about or what was going to make it different from the other drunk Harry Potter podcasts out there. And then somehow it came up in conversation. We were texting and I was like, Oh, I've actually never read any Austin because you were talking about like something Austin related. And I and then you were like, what, Molly, you have to read Jane Austen. And I was like, Becca, I think I think that's the podcast. Yeah, I think that's mostly how I remember it. I just remember that conversation happening in person, but I might have been wrong about that. OK, moving away from the podcast to the movies. If you could play any character in one of the Austin movies. Whoops. Whoops. And <laughs> Why? Ooh. See, Becca's also wearing her Hoomst shirt. I am wearing my Hoomst sweatshirt. Do you get a bunch of compliments on your Hoomst shirt? Yes. I do too on the tank top. Every single person I'm around, like strangers, my coworkers, all tell me it's really nice. Shouts to Jess, who designed our Hoomst shirt. You can go get yourself one. They're really fashionable and cool. So. And everyone's going to tell you that it looks really great. So my answer to this is I would want to play Fanny Dashwood. Oh, that is definitely your type cat. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, you haven't watched the film yet, but there is a moment in the film where Fanny um, has a little bit of an anger outburst <laughs> and um, tries to choke Lucy Steele to death. No. Um, yeah, it's so good. It's ah, fabulous. I love it. And I would love, I love playing a villain and I'm very good at playing a villain. It's so much fun. It's so fun. And so I would just adore being that kind of character and getting to just like be wretched to everyone around me. God, I love it. In like 20 years, I would like to play Mrs. Bennett. Yes. God, that is <laughs> Molly. <laughs> you have done yourself. Thank you. Hair toss. Graham, which one would you want to play? I'm thinking about it and. You know how I I just I'm trying so hard with sense and sensibility, but there's so there's so many balls in the air, and I barely know who the men are. Yeah, fair. So it's it's kind of between like Wickham, Darcy, and Bingley, and I I don't think I'm hot enough to make Wickham work. Like I'm a handsome man. We've established this on the record, but I think 
I think you know, you know what? No, actually, I I want to be Wickham because I once had an acting teacher tell me that he doesn't know if he wants to give me a hug or run away from me screaming. And I think that's what Wickham needs. You have to like him. That's the exact energy of Wickham. Like you have to be endeared to him. If you're not, then he doesn't work. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say you should be Wickham too. Be so fun. Yeah. Be a little terrible little shit, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, it's Molly from the future hopping in to tell you about a new season of one of my absolute favorite podcasts. Hot and Bothered, hosted by returning Pod and Prejudice guest Vanessa Zoltan, is a podcast that treats romance as sacred. You've probably all already heard of this podcast because in their fourth season, they covered Pride and Prejudice. And now Hot and Bothered is back with a season that is all about romantic films. The first 10 episodes of this new season follow Vanessa as she learns how to critically watch movies by looking closely at the classic 2003 rom-com How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. After 10 episodes, Vanessa will be joined by her co-host Hannah McGregor, a media studies scholar, author, and podcaster, and together they'll look at romantic films from Casablanca to Love and Basketball to When Harry Met Sally. The show is already so fun after just listening to one episode, and I cannot wait to listen to the rest of the season. So subscribe to Hot and Bothered wherever you get your podcasts to jump into this new season that's all about romantic films, or to enjoy their previous seasons about Pride and Prejudice, Jane Eyre, and a personal favorite, Twilight. Again, that's Hot and Bothered, and it can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Also, this August, Vanessa is leading a pilgrimage to Bath for a five-day trip dedicated to Northanger Abbey. Now, I don't know anything about Northanger Abbey, but even I want to go on this trip. Together, you and 20 other Austinites are delving into the story of Catherine Moreland while immersed in a gorgeous city that features heavily in Austin's life and writing, as you know. So if you enjoy contemplative hikes, immersion in a new city, time away from your regular life, and the chance to talk about Austin with fans from all over the world, which I know all of you do, then this trip is for you. So check out Common Ground Pilgrimages at readingandwalkingwith.com. To claim your spot on the Northanger Abbey trip, head to readingandwalkingwith.com slash northanger-abbey-2024. And now back to this episode. So are we watching the miniseries? We will be watching the miniseries. We will be doing a lot of adaptations. A lot of you asked about what the plan is moving forward. And as it was with Pride and Prejudice, we're going to watch the miniseries. We're going to watch some adaptations. We know that Pride and Prejudice has been like the adaptations are coming and they are still. Um, We just really wanted to get on to the next book. But um, we will be watching the miniseries along with all of those other things. Yeah, I want to be really clear about this because I talk a lot about how much I love the Sense and Sensibility movie. That being said, I also really love the 2008 um, miniseries of Sense and Sensibility, and I would never skip it. I I, I want to be clear. It's so good. It's going to be a great time. But um, we're, we're starting with the movie because just in general, we go in chronological order. But we do really want to do as much movie content as we can. And Obviously, we haven't gone all the way back to the 1970s miniseries and stuff. There's a 1970s miniseries. There's like a lot from the 70s and 80s that was on like the BBC. But it's all. And we haven't like revisited. I've heard some of them are good. I've heard some of them are not great. Uh, The Sense and Sensibility one, all I've seen is a picture. And let me find it and send it to the group. I'm so excited. It's, it's. Oh, that reminds me. I also want to watch the 19. 40s Pride and Prejudice. It's my grandma's favorite adaptation. There's a 1940s Pride and Prejudice? Starring none other than Laurence Olivier. Am, am I lying about that? Is that a complete bold-faced lie? I have no idea. You know more about this than I do. 
listeners, you can tell me if I just lied to your faces, but I'm pretty sure Lawrence Olivier is in it. Um, I'll ask my grandma. I've heard about that, but that takes place in the U.S. Yeah, and I and I think it needs to. I think we need to watch. It, it sounds like a lot. Then that screenshot from the. <gasps> oh, I the hair. I'm not against this. I know. I love the hair. It somehow feels more appropriate to Austin, even though it's very, very 70s. Yeah, his bangs. This looks like a band that would do the most banger Beatles covers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They look a little bit like they would um, also grab a beer at the bar afterwards with their fans. Oh, yeah. You know what they look like? My girlfriend and I liked your vibe from across the bar. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to post this to our story when this goes out. Um, Yes. Anyway, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the answer to that question. To the mini series, can you rate more characters as either compost or garbage? This is great. Let's only do a couple, really, just because mm-hmm. this could go on forever. Lightning round. Daddy Bennett, compost. Compost. Um, Mrs. Bennett. Not even. Not, neither. Mrs. Bennett is is. Uh, she's compost. She's. Mm, yeah, she's compost. Compost. She. Mm, yeah. Collins. Garbage. Garbage. Fine. Oh, are you gonna <laughs> He's say just compost? a guy. He's just a guy. He is just a guy. Uh, you know what? Yeah, it's hard because I feel like the only truly garbage people are like. Well, let's keep going. Let's keep going. I, keep I, going. He could go either way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lady Middleton. Ooh, I stumped you. Yeah, this is hard because she's kind of, she's like not evil enough. Garbage. I'm gonna say garbage. Um, let's do one more. Oh, I'm going to make it a, a far reach back. Um, we're going to do Mr. Hurst. <laughs> Mr. Hurst. Uh, he's compost. I'm going to say garbage. <laughs> uh, oh, here's a fun one. You have to marry an Austin character and you cannot get divorced. Who is your, whomst is your person? I'm going to, I'm going to marry Colonel Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the the utter devotion and kindness. Um, I would marry Bingley. Oh, yeah, fun and delightful. Yeah, yeah, you would. That's your that type. Golden Retriever gamer boy. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. Listeners, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I saw a couple posts online about this, and I related really hard. There's an unholy um partnership between book girls and gamer guys. Let us know if that describes you and your SO. Gender aside, I love that. Would you rather live in Pride and Prejudice or Sense and Sensibility? And what would your life look like there? I think this is easy. Yeah, I would rather live in Sense and Sensibility. A seaside tale. Oh, okay. Oh, I was going to say Pride and Prejudice. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Whoa. Um, I would rather live in Sense and Sensibility because there, if I was going to be like one of the sisters, for example, I would rather be in a family where everyone loves each other and is nice to each other and... um cares so much about each other instead of such a high stress, high chaos environment. I mean, yeah, I was going to choose Pride and Prejudice because Sense and Sensibility is just filled with like tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Um, And Pride, no matter how much everyone loves each other, it's very intense. Whereas Pride and Prejudice is, you know, there are some stressful moments, but it's mostly just everyone hanging out and being funny together. Graham, what do you think? I love the idea of being near the sea, but that's the only thing tying me to Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> because it's a seaside tale. You can't get away from the sea. Uh, but also, I think probably Pride and Prejudice, because like, if you're your Mary's Bennett's, then kind of nothing 
bad happens to you, you're just chilling. It doesn't really matter so much that like, yeah, yeah, your family's got financial troubles. I'm going to go read and play the piano forte. Mm -hmm, True. But I do take Molly's point. It would be if the question were which family would you rather be in, I think it's probably better to be a Dashwood. They're they're a little oh, bit hundred percent. They're a little bit of a healthier family unit. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I didn't even think about the tragedy after tragedy after tragedy because I feel like the last <laughs> not to get too dark, but the last two years I've become kind of accustomed to tragedy after tragedy. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm thinking that I would rather be surrounded by love and friendship than chaos in such a time moving a little bit away from austin into books in general uh outside of austin what's your favorite genre to read oh this is such a good question so um i read a lot um and i am pretty busy so um reading comes not as often as i would like it to but i have a system for reading where i read uh, print book versions of fiction novels, and then I read. I do audiobooks for nonfiction. Um, so I love nonfiction books. I particularly really like nonfiction books that deal with history or with um, sociological or um, socioeconomic uh, dynamics. So I think those are really interesting. Um, but if we're talking about more fun, novely type things, I'm a really big fantasy nerd. And I also really enjoy the Leanne Moriarty set of sort of clever class struggles in modern day societies. And I am also a really big fantasy nerd. And so like fantasy, high fantasy, uh, YA fantasy, and particularly um, outside of fantasy, romance, queer romance, leaning but occasionally like right now I'm reading a straight romance book and and that's fun too but I'd prefer it to be gay (laughs) Molly has a very very specific niche of like sweet like little fantasy queer books yes I love a good mystery if you put it like I I love Agatha Christie um Molly the summer that you asked me to work on this show I was reading through just like a bunch of Christie novels that I picked up for like a dollar a piece because they're just so like well paced and I love a good I, I love when a book has a, a secret and it doesn't let you know it. And it's like, ooh, I'm trying to figure it out as the characters are, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. put that into any setting. I'll read it. I love it. You know, it. a book um, you might like is the An Absolutely Remarkable Thing and a Beautifully Foolish Endeavor by Hank Green. Ooh, um, it's the greens about. Yes, the greens. And it's about um, aliens. And it's but it's also like kind of a mystery because it's like all about a puzzle that the aliens have set for the humans. And oh, so you're like oh. reading and you're like trying to figure out what the puzzle is. So would recommend. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to plug myself real quick. Uh, I'm actually working on another podcast. I'm cheating oh. on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my friend Davis and I are working on a podcast right now uh, called Rec Quest. Oh yeah, you told where, me that. Uh, Yeah. So the idea is I've, I've fallen out of love with reading a little bit because of academia. And so his job is now he's going to give me as many requests as possible to try and suss out my my favorite book, the the best book I've read. Um, and so his recommendation for me for the next episode we're going to record is called Gideon the Ninth, which is a sci-fi mystery, a, a queer sci-fi mystery. That's my that's murder like mystery. My niche. Yeah, exactly. Queer sci-fi murder mystery. So check out Gideon the Ninth because, and then also at some point maybe check out request when that starts dropping whenever it does uh next question all-time favorite book this is so hard um i most i only recently 
And by recently, I mean probably around November 2019, started reading for fun again outside of like rereading Harry Potter um, because academia, like you were saying. So I used to say that my favorite book of all time was The Phantom Tollbooth. And I think that, I mean, it still holds up. Obviously, I reread it in college and I was like, wow, this is a beautiful book. But the book that I've read the most recently that I'm like, I want to tattoo this on my body is Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. And I think that might be one of my favorite books of all time. I love that. Um, so I uh, learned to read on the Harry Potter books. Um, I started reading them when my dad read them to me when I was four. So they have a special place in my heart. Um, recent events aside. Um <laughs> But um, my favorite book of all time is probably Wuthering Heights, which I said before on the podcast, and we got some backlash. But to be clear, I love Wuthering Heights. It's not a romantic book. It's a horror, a cautionary tale, and a little bit of a philosophical exploration of how evil forms and what evil means when uh, true love and compassion are there alongside evil. I think it's one of the most interesting books of all time. I think it's wild that it was written by a woman who was, you know, not out on the town very much and died young. So love Wuthering Heights. I, I have to have to cite that one as my fave. Uh, what is your favorite non-Austin book that you've read this year? This was a great question, and it is a different answer for me. Um, I had to narrow it down to two because I couldn't choose. But uh, the first one is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Oh, yeah, that's really A really fantastic book. It's about two light-skinned uh, black women who are identical twins. And one um, really explores, like, her identity through blackness and the other um, passes for white through life. And it's a really interesting commentary about American identity and race dynamics. It's a really wonderful book. Highly recommend it. And then the second, and... This is going to be a plot twist. Um, I just recently finished uh, the Lord of the Rings series. <gasps> nice. And I was kind of lukewarm on the first two books. They were really dry and really long and didn't have much going on. But I loved the Return of the King. And I loved the way Return of the King ended. So I was like alone in my house just like deep sobbing when it ended. So it's going to get a spot as one of the best books I read this year. Wow. That is amazing. Good for Tolkien. Good for him. Um, So <laughs> I just named one of the books that I read this year as my favorite all-time book. So I think that's probably going to have to to stick. I read Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. Additionally, House on the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune or House in the Cerulean Sea. T.J. Klune has fast become one of my favorite authors with those two books. And so right now I'm reading another one of his books. Um, it's a little bit weirder and I'm not sure if I like it as much. But those two books are definitely um, two of my favorites that I read in 2021. Um, so I'm excited to see what I find in 2022. Yeah. More favorites. What are y'all's favorite places in the world? Oh, I love this question. I have done a lot of traveling in my life, my family always used to go on like fun trips for holidays. And um, I also studied abroad and I studied abroad in Russia. And I think that one of my favorite places in the world is Moscow. Um, Graham also studied abroad in Russia. I did. It was beautiful. But I don't know if I think honestly, though, I might have to go with something a little bit not somewhere that I actually have like 
lived or or worked or anything but just one of the trips that I went on when I was younger with my family was Portugal and I was just I like fell in love with this place and it's so like old and and there's castles and stuff and like we found these like ruins and there was a chocolate festival going on when we were there so that helped a lot but like Portugal was really cool um I don't know. This is hard. <laughs> Becca, help her out. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of emotional connection to a lot of places I've been in the world. But uh, for me, my favorite place is always on a beach. Um, I like being on a beach when it's deserted at night and the waves are at their wildest and you're sitting and watching the water. That is my favorite place. I particularly love this um, on Long Island because that's where I grew up going to the beach. But any beach where I can sit and enjoy the water late at night is my favorite place. That is very beautiful. That's so lovely. What is the best kind of jam for a PB&J? Because there's a right answer. I want to see if I uh, have the right answer per Graham's request. Um, the answer for me is blackberry jam. Oh. Actually, that sounds really good. That's not the right answer. That's the best answer. <laughs> Yeah. That's the secret ending. That was a surprise twist. I was going to say that the the right answer is probably like um a strawberry preserve. Yeah, obviously it's strawberry, but hang on a minute. But but hang on a minute though. Um I've mostly recently I've been buying like darker jams. I'm not a big strawberry jam person, so mm. like I would never purchase that for myself to put on my PB&J and I'll put up whatever's in my fridge. I got a jam called Bluebarb which was rhubarb and blueberry. And that is a very good jam. I think it is still in Becca's fridge. <laughs> um, but it is a banger. And I would put that on my PB&J. But actually, blackberry is the right answer. Yeah, I, I'm a jam boy. I grew up with a bunch of little berry bushes in my backyard. My mom made jams every single summer. So I'm very, very picky about jams. And I never once for a moment thought blackberry jam on a PB&J would be something. How, how? How did you come up with this? When? Well, I'm not a super jam person. I didn't really grow up on PB&J. I grew up on peanut butter and banana sandwiches growing up. Mm. Me too. Are delicious. But um, I learned that PB&J is actually really delicious. And um, because I'm not a super jam person, I'm very fussy about which kind of jams I like. And I really like blackberry jams. So I put it on most things. So like, for example, last night, I had a couple cheeses and crackers on a plate for an appetizer. And um, I decided which accoutrement I'm going to put with it. And it was just a little little bowl of blackberry jam. So I had cheese, a little blackberry jam, some cracker. And it's just a really good mix of sweet and like sour. Yeah, a little tart. It's got the right amount of tart to counteract how sticky sweet peanut butter is. Well, I know what I'm doing later today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking I don't have any jam in my apartment, but I need to get some because now I'm one hungry and two want a PB&J. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm jonesing for one. What is everyone's favorite meme to quote? Good soup. Good soup. Molly and I, when we were living together, which uh, was for just a few months uh, until Molly found herself uh, her own her own space in uh, New York City, I, I showed her the good soup meme, the Adam Driver good soup meme, and it got really big. And then it just became a thing we would say to each other all the time in the apartments. And we'd just go, good soup. 
And now we'll say like, okay, good. Good soup. Good soup. Yeah. <laughs> hey, why can't we all live in a Regency era mansion forever? Is the next question. Yeah, I wonder that. Too. That's a really good question. <laughs> um, we we should. Um, I mean, there's there's the whole like like work, life, uh, family obligations thing. But theoretically, what would be ideal is for the three of us to go purchase a small castle in the middle of the UK um, or mansion, I guess. Yeah. Regency era manse. And Molly and I can get those little like duck bonnets that they wear mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and empire waist dresses. Graham, you can get those um, those tweed pants that really accentuate the calves. Um, you can bring your cat. I'll bring my boyfriend. Molly can bring her dog and her mother and we can all. <laughs> <laughs> this came from Molly wanting to bring her dog, but saying, no, my mom will kill me. <laughs> bring your yeah, mom. So- I get my mom and they get their their pets and significant others. They get, we get our pets. <laughs> as if your mother's not as good as my boyfriend and Graham's cat. My mom will be thrilled to come along. Amazing. And we'll we'll like make tea buns, like bath bath buns. We'll make yeah. like tea. I'll bring my spinning wheel. And because we're actually in the modern era, we can also each have an office where we can do our work from home. I like that. Oh, don't say that. I'll work forever. <laughs> so yes um the answer is this sounds amazing and yeah we're gonna go do that right now yep just uh become a patron so that we can afford it (laughs) our new patron goals (laughs) oh almost done is there any chance that we can release weekly episodes sadly not quite yet that is a, a, a far off goal that we have however with all of us at full time jobs it's a bit much. We wanted to address this because we have gotten this question a few times and we would love to, but it's physically impossible right now. It's nice that everyone wants us to do it, yeah. but it's just not feasible. Yeah. yeah, it makes us feel good, but right now it's like working two full-time jobs because <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> daytime is for work and nighttime is for podcast work. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen after we've read all of the Austins? Quite honestly, we don't know. I mean... Here's the thing. We just finished Sense and Sensibility, our second Jane Austen book, and there is still movie content to do. And then we wanted to do some extra Pride and Prejudice adaptation content. And there are so many other books. And we've been doing this podcast for well over two years now. So the answer is that by the time we get through all the Jane Austen books, it's going to be years later. It might be the end of the podcast, but that also might be in like six years. So we'll see. Yeah, there's there's definitely a future for us. And it is far enough off that when we get there, we'll know what's next. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Becca reading books she hasn't read before? We go through them or are we going in together? Again, a very good question. Um, so we still have a few books I have read before. And the good news is that's going to be another few years. So basically what you're seeing here on the part of this podcast team is a little bit of procrastination um, (laughs) where we are doing the easiest part first, which is following all through all the books that uh, work with our current structure. Once we get through that, then we'll have a conversation and discuss what we want to do for the books I haven't read. Uh, There are way fewer than them than there are books I have read. So uh, just count on us finishing up those first. Yeah. And, you know, we love hearing from you. So if you have, you know, want if you want to tell us what would be interesting to you as listeners, we'd love to hear that and take it into consideration when we're planning out those episodes. 
All right. And finally, a question asked by several people. What's the next book? What's season three? We've gotten this question a couple times and we're actually not really hiding it. It's been on our Instagram. It's actually on our highlight reel right now. But Molly, what's our next book? Emma. Emma. Yeah, so we're going to, when we finish up Sense and Sensibility, we're going to do a little bit more um, adaptation work after it for a little bit. But when we plug back into doing a book, that book will be Emma. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for Emma. I voted for Emma instead of Sense and Sensibility in the polls for the second one. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited um, to watch Clueless also because I have I have seen Clueless, but it was long enough ago that I truly have. I don't remember what it's about, except for that there's like a yellow it's plaid mini skirt suit set thing in it and weirdly or not that actually is an <laughs> original Austin book. Yeah. Oh. She has a fun plaid mini skirt. Nice. Yeah. I didn't realize that that was an Emma adaptation. It is. God, I fucking love Clueless. Oh, good. Then you this is the first time Graham's going to have a vague idea of the plot going into editing. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get lost. Just make sure you refer to people as like Paul Rudd. And I'll know who's who. Wait, Paul Rudd is in Clueless? Paul, what do you mean? <laughs> oh my God. Listen, Ma- like I said, it's don't, been... don't, don't say anything about him. Don't I know, say anything about it, Grant. I know Britney Snow is in, in Clueless, rest in peace. And um, that's all. Okay. I'm more upset that you didn't know that Paul Rudd was in Clueless. How old was he? I feel like... He was he's... a young, handsome Paul Rudd. Wow, I love Paul Rudd. Yeah, this we all exciting. do. He's the sexiest man alive. I'm not going to fight you on that, but I... <laughs> that's... He was voted. I think he was literally given the title. Wait, he literally was? He was knighted as the sexiest man alive. Listen, I agree. I just didn't realize that that so did the People magazine. Oh, the people of the world agree. Wow. Good for you, Paul Rudd. All right. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Yeah, he really needs our validation. (laughs) (laughs) Paul Rudd, if you want to come on this show. Paul Rudd, if you want to hold my hand. Paul Rudd, if you want to hold me gently. Um, all right, on that note. Well, thanks, Graham, for coming on and asking us these questions. This has been so fun. Yeah. And I can't wait to have you back on the show for more uh more things because I'm, all, I I'm always on the show. You. You're always on the show. Talk. But I can't wait to hear your voice on the show more because I feel like we need to have that. That needs to happen more soon. I would love it. Absolutely. Uh thank you so much, Graham. Thanks so much, everyone, for your questions. And until next time, stay proper. And uh, Graham, you want to take it away? Yeah. Uh, find yourself a Paul Rudd. That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, good. <laughs> good soup. Good soup. Pod and Prejudice is edited by Molly Burdick and audio produced by Graham Cook. Our show art is designed by Torrance Brown. Our show is transcribed by Speech Docs Podcast Transcription. For transcripts and to learn more about our team, check out our website at podandprejudice.com. To keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod and Prejudice. If you love what you hear, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podandprejudice to see how you can support us or just drop us a rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.